0: that hymn where really he sums up what the sermon about oh, is about this morning. It is Take Time to Be Holy, or well, the title I've given it is Walk in Him. Let me just read again verses, um, chapter Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I was about 10 years old, it was my first time away from home. I was on a school holiday to the Isle of Wight. Anybody been to the Isle of Wight? I don't know, well, Alan, that's quite a nice place. And uh, I remember seeing the Needles Lighthouse. Now, to be honest, that's not a photo of the Needles Lighthouse, because I don't have one, but it is the lighthouse at Eastbourne. But it's a lighthouse, and that makes my point. Look, can you see the flashing light? of the lighthouse. Where? In Colossians chapter 2. And the verse I've not, we read earlier, Paul says verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There were false teachers, pleasant men, plausible, persuasive, but they were teaching error. They were like the rocks on which the Christians could shipwreck, get smashed. And they sounded like the Apostle Paul. They pretended to be teaching what Paul taught, but they weren't. And that made it all the more dangerous. Lighthouse says, be careful, there are rocks. Our passage is saying, be careful, there are rocks that you may smash into dangers, heresies, false teaching, false ideas. That's why Paul wrote verses 6 and 7. Therefore, when you see therefore, the old preachers used to say, ask what it is, where, where what it is therefore. If it's therefore, what is it there for? Uh, you get what I mean. Ask why does Paul say, therefore? Because he says, I want you to think about what's gone before what I'm just going to say. Light us, rocks, danger, false teachers. Therefore, because of that, pay attention to what I'm going to tell you in these verses. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So walk, walk in him, is the theme of these verses. Walk in him, or as Achim puts it, take time to be holy. Now I find it a good idea when I come to the Bible to ask questions. And I have two questions to ask of these two verses. How do I begin this walk? And how do I continue this walk? Well, we begin it by, begin the walk by receiving Jesus Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, you received him. That's how to become a Christian. That's how to start on the walk towards heaven. As you received him. Now this word received tells us that it's a gift you receive and it is a welcome. You receive a gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the Lord Jesus you receive the gift of forgiveness. You receive the gift of eternal life. You receive him as a gift. It's a gift you don't earn. You can't earn this. It's a gift you don't deserve. It's given to you, but you don't deserve it. It's a gift that you didn't even know you needed. You thought know, oh, I'm okay with my life, I don't need Christ, I don't need all this gospel stuff and religion and law. But then God's Holy Spirit began to talk to you in your heart, in your mind, and began to realise what well, I'm a sinner. There's something missing. There's something wrong. I do need the Lord Jesus. I do need the gift that God is offering to me. So have you received God's gift? God says, here's a gift. It's my son, the Lord Jesus. Do you receive him? If you've not received the Lord Jesus, then you are not a Christian at all. You have not started on this walk towards heaven. Now, when you're offered a gift, it is an insult, isn't it, to refuse that gift. Someone says, here's a gift. Soon be Christmas, won't it? Sorry to remind you of that. Soon be Christmas. And people will give you presents, gifts. Now, just imagine when they gave you a gift. Oh, I don't want all that. Take it away. right, you'll open the pack. Oh, I don't want that. Throw it away. Now whoever gave you the gift would be insulted wouldn't they? Imagine it was your husband, your wife, your mum your dad, son, daughter no I don't want that they'd be insulted and here's God giving you a gift that you don't deserve and you can't pay for, you don't have to pay for and he says take it and you're refusing it Oh, I don't want this Jesus, I don't want this I'm okay with my own life I don't think I need to be converted, I don't think I need become a Christian. That's an insult to God the great God who made the world, the great God who is glorious and holy that's a very serious matter indeed so received says Paul, that means you receive the Lord Jesus as a gift but there's another point part to it it means a welcome Someone gives you a present. You welcome that present, don't you? Because of who has given it to you. And to receive the Lord Jesus Christ is to welcome him. Your house, your, your, your life is like a house. It's a house that's dirty and filthy with the cobwebs of sin. But the Lord Jesus comes in. He throws open the windows, cleans up, the house, gets rid of the cobwebs, gets rid of the sin, darkness, uh, light dispels the darkness. The uh, purity replaces uncleanness. So your heart, life's like a house. Christ comes in, changes, cleans up the house, you become a Christian. This is what it means to receive the Lord Jesus. To accept him as a gift and to welcome him into your life. Of course, there are keys. you have got a door to a house, there's keys, isn't there? What are the keys into this house? So that Christ will come in. There are two keys. Repentance and the key of faith. Repentance means a deep, deep sorrow, contrition in your heart that you have sinned against God who is holy and a turning away from that sin towards the Lord Jesus Christ. A deep, deep sorrow that you have offended a holy God. Faith is the other key. Faith is to trust the Lord Jesus for the pardon of sins. It is to stretch out the hand and say, Lord, I receive you. Oh God, I receive your gift. Oh God, I trust in Christ and Christ alone for the pardon of my sins and for acceptance with you. We were talking about the good man who was bad and the bad man who was good the good man who thought he was good, God said, no, I reject you. Because he was trusting himself, not in Christ. But the bad man who was good, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He was the man that God accepted. He was the one who really had uh, received the gift of Christ. He was the one who really had uh, taken the key of repentance and faith and Christ had come into his heart. Now look, think a little more about this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, who is it we are receiving? Who is it we are to welcome? Paul tells us, Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ means the anointed one. It's the Greek for the Hebrew Messiah. All through the Old Testament, right from the time when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and brought sin and death sorrow into the world ever since that time God had been saying I will send a saviour Messiah, saviour and there were promises year after year century after century but eventually God kept the promises and sent the Lord Jesus on the first Christmas morning to Bethlehem and he died on the first Good Friday on a cross to take all of our sins, Christ. But then he's called Jesus. The word means Savior. The angel said to Joseph, uh, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It means Savior. Why do we need to be saved? Rescued, because of our sin. Imagine there's a burning house. and People are crying out from the windows. What will you do? Well, they need to be rescued. Ring the fire, inga- uh, fire brigade. The, 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 the fire engine comes from Potter to the house and ladders up, get the man out, put the fire out. We are in danger of an eternal fire. But Christ comes from heaven to rescue us. Save us. That's salvation. That's why he came. He came into the world to save sinners. And Lord, Christ Jesus, the Lord, means he's God. He is God in a human body. God to be worshipped. He is the Lord. And that means he must be Lord in your life. You can't have Jesus as saviour and not as Lord. He is both saviour and Lord. You can't have one or the other without the other. So, he's the saviour, you trust him. He is the Lord and you delight to serve him. So, the question then is, how do I begin this walk? Received. You receive Christ as a, a gift. You welcome him into your life. You take the keys of repentance and faith, you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. Now let's ask another question. How do I continue this walk? I think I should have another thing to come up. Where do I point it? Right, what we got there? Ah, oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Two questions, there we are. The two questions are uh, how do I begin this walk and how do I continue this walk. Now let's see where we are. Right there we are. A gift, and it's you're welcoming. That's what that word receive means. i was forgetting where I was. Never mind. The matter does it where we are. So how do I continue this walk? And there are three bits to this. How do I continue this walk? Look at the text. If you have it open there with you. Therefore. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. So walk, walk, walk suggests pilgrims on a journey, a journey towards heaven. And uh, <clears throat> pilgrims reminds us pilgrims are going somewhere. It reminds reminds us that life here is just for a brief time. We are going to a place which is eternal. John Bunyan, in his Pilgrim's Progress, written here in Bedford Prison, tells us that uh, we're like pilgrims. We're on a journey to. The celestial city, to a world of joy and peace and holiness and happiness. This world time is brief. This world is just for a brief time, but there is an eternal world, and that is where we are going. And one day we will live in a with a sinless soul, no sin in us with a new body on a new earth. That's what the Bible teaches. So are you a Christian? Are you on this journey? You have a wonderful future to look forward to. Oh, when you're perplexed, problems, difficulties, can't life be hard? Isn't it difficult sometimes to be a Christian? Just think, I'm a pilgrim. This is not my home. I have an eternal home. Oh, I shall see Christ Jesus, the Lord, one day and be with him forever. This word walk also suggests that you're making progress. I'm standing still. I'm not going anywhere, am I? But afterwards, I put on my mask and I will walk. I'll be making progress to the chapel door church door, across to my car, in the field. You're walking, you're going somewhere, you're making progress. And in the Christian life, you are to be walking, making progress. Not standing still. You must not stand still. You must be making progress. Becoming a better Christian. Coming closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it makes you make progress. It means you've got a direction. When I walk out of the church, I know where I'm going. I'm heading for my car, and I'll get in my car, up the A1 and back to Welling, where I live. I know where I want to go. You must have a direction. You know where you want to go. You want to get to heaven. You want to be the best Christian you can. You want to make progress as a Christian. You want to be growing in your understanding of the Saviour, the Bible. You've got a direction. You know where you're going. You're not wandering around aimlessly, hoping that something good will turn up. No, no, not at all. And then we ought to note that um, he says here, walk in him. That's very important. Walk in him. Our walking companion through life is the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go for a walk, it can be a bit lonely if you're all by yourself, can't it? But isn't it nice when you go for a walk to have somebody walking with you? That's good, isn't it? And you can chat away as you go. You walk, and it's an enjoyable time. And through our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ is always with us. We can't see him, but he's always with us. Now, when you're walking, you talk to one another, don't you? And you listen to one another. When you're walking with the Lord Jesus, you can talk to him in prayer. And you must do that. You won't grow as a Christian unless you're praying every day. And just as we talk to one another and listen to one another, so with Jesus as our companion, we listen to him as we read the Bible. The Bible is God, Jesus speaking to us. And you need to be reading or listening. You can listen, of course, now on the internet, on your iPhone. You can be listening. If you're not so good at reading or don't like reading, you can listen. But it's important to fill your mind with the Bible. Because it's God's Word. It's not just any book. And if you want to grow and walk as a Christian, then you must be filling your mind with the Bible. Doing what the Bible says. If the Bible says don't do something, you don't do it. So the Lord Jesus is walking with you. We read in the Bible, of two men who we're told walked with God. There were lots of others, but two especially. A man called Enoch, he walked with God over 300 years. Men lived a long time, and women a long time in those days. And this is right back in the book of Genesis. He walked with God. It means he kept close to God. He enjoyed the company of God. And we read that Enoch walked so long one day with God that he walked into heaven. God said, well, you're near my home. Come inside now. So Enoch didn't have to die. He walked straight into heaven. One day we'll walk into heaven too. There was another man called Noah who built the ark. We read that Noah walked with God. He walked with God. People laughed at him. What? Build an ark? Don't be daft. Spoke about rain. They'd never seen rain. Oh Noah, you're a bit funny in the head. But he kept on building. He kept on preaching. He kept on calling them to repentance. He walked with God. And God rewarded him. And now he is with the Lord. He is in Heaven. So, keep close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's an important thing to notice here. Walk in him. Why not walk with him? Why walk in him? Because it speaks of Christ being very close to us. In actual fact, in chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, by God's Spirit, he lives in us. And because he lives in us, he will give us the power to keep walking. And because he lives in us, whatever we face, what trials, what false teachers come at us, we can keep on walking because Christ is not only with us, but in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So we are pilgrims who are walking. And we have the example of Enoch and Noah. But there's this word rooted. Rooted. Speaks of... uh, uh, Hang on, I've gone too far. I need to go back. There we are, rooted. And you can see trees rooted in him. So it's the picture of a tree that's got its roots deep into the ground. You see some old trees, like oak trees. The wind comes blowing at them. There's storms. Other trees have fallen down. But there's a tree that stands. Nothing can uproot it, nothing can blow it down. That's the Christian, rooted deep in the Lord Jesus, rooted deep in the Bible, rooted deep in the habit of prayer. There's a person, a man, woman, who cannot be blown down, rooted like a tree. In John 15, just before Jesus died, he said, I am the true vine, you are the branches. And he teaches us in John 15, go home and read it sometime, John 15, that the picture of the true vine means we are, Receive our life from Jesus. As the vine receives life, uh, the branches receive life from the vine, the trunk, so we receive spiritual life from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way to keep vibrant, lively, progressing, and growing as a Christian is to be deeply rooted to Christ. As the branches keep to the vine. So we must cling like branches to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes you see old houses with ivy clinging into the bricks. Have you seen those houses? And they get usually beautifully red in the autumn time. And we've got to be clinging to Jesus. We must not let go of Jesus. We want to be rooted and In him. We want to be as close to him as we possibly can. That's the picture Paul uses here in Colossians chapter 1. Another scripture that comes to mind is the lovely Psalm 1. Go home and read Psalm 1 later. And there you have the contrast between the believer, the unbeliever. The godly, the ungodly. And what do we read about the godly? Well, here's where Trees comes in. Psalm 1, verse 4, Note verse 3. He, the Christian, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and it does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So that's why I've taken the photograph there of the trees by the water. It's at a place called and Water. Anybody been to Graffle and Water? Yes, I've been there many times with my camera. Um, a tree by the water. It's, 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 it's getting uh, life. It, it's getting refreshment from the water. It's a good place for a tree, by water. And we're to be by the water. What's the water? Well, it's the Lord Jesus says he's like water. It's the Bible which is like water. It's the Holy Spirit who's like water running into our lives keeping us fresh keeping us growing so to be growing as a Christian you need to be rooted deeply in Christ deeply in his word Uh, and a good way to grow us and walk and grow is to be with Christians as much as you can whenever the place is open and there's Christians meeting be there Whenever you've got an opportunity to hear the Bible explained, be there. That's the way to walk. It's the way to grow. It's the way to continue as a Christian. So, rooted. But then look, he says, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him. There's another great picture. Walking, rooted, built up. And there I should have a picture. Built up in him established in the faith. The idea here is of a, of a, of a house. Uh, that's, um, that's Wimpole Hall, seen from the air. One day a friend took me up in his aeroplane and with the camera I could look down on Wimpole Hall and take a photo. I, I was quite pleased with that photo. Scratched my big head. But I thought that reminds me of the Christian. Built, we're like a building with good foundations. So Wimpole Hall's been there many years. I don't know quite how many years, but a good many years, and it's still there. And we are to be like buildings with a good foundation. The foundation, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the builder. He's the foundation. Now, sometimes when people start building, they run out of money. And it never gets finished. But God says that the work he's began, the building he has started, you and me, Christians, with ongoing work, but he will never ever run out of money, run out of energy. He will continue the work. If you're a Christian, it's like God is building you. And God will complete the building until you reach perfection. And he brings you into heaven. So we're a building, built, and uh, we are like a temple. Other Bible passages say that the Christian is like a temple. Not just a house, but a temple. And we're living souls in the temple that God is adding to his temple. Every time someone becomes a Christian, it's God adding a stone to his temple. Sometimes the stones have to be in the old Bible days when it was uh, rocks rather than bricks they had to be chiseled so that they would fit into the temple. God sometimes has to chisel us. He has to discipline us. Sometimes we go through tough times because God is teaching us and we learn through those tough times lessons we cannot learn when life is going nice and easily and smoothly. So, Again, notice he says here that we are rooted and built up in him. In him. That's very important. Christ is the foundation, the cornerstone that binds all the other stones together. So you're built on the foundation of Christ. Jesus told a parable. You remember the story of the two builders? Here's a man building his house. On sand, oh, I'm going to have a wonderful house. I'll get up this house so quickly. And here's this other man digging the foundations, building his house and taking such a long time about it and making such a fuss about it. Look, I've got my house up. While well, the other man, he's still building, but he's getting the foundation right. Then when the storms come, you know the story, the house on the sand falls down, but the house on the rock stands firm. The man who builds on the sand or the woman, young person. It's the person who's building their lives on their own ideas, their own opinions. But here's the man, woman, child, young person, building their life on a solid foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. When the storms of life come, trouble, disaster, suffering, bereavement, grief, the Christian stands firm. Because he's on the right foundation. He's like the tree that stands, doesn't get blown down. He's like the building that doesn't get uh, destroyed because he's on the foundation. And it's also important to notice that he says there that established in the faith just as you were taught. What does that mean? The faith there is the Bible, it's what you've been taught. The Colossians have been taught by a godly man called Epaphras. You read about him, chapter 1, chapter 4. Epaphras had taught them the Word of God. And through that, they'd become established. They'd become Christians. And now Paul wants them to walk and continue as Christians and make progress as Christians. And, and, and uh, there's a sense in which we build on the foundation a godly spiritual life established in the faith just as you were taught. So are you a willing pupil? You go to school, take your exams and finish. Some of you I know were glad to see to the end of school, weren't you? Thank goodness that's over. But in Christ's school we never ever leave, there's never an end of term there's never a graduation ceremony we're always in the school of Christ are you a winning pupil so you listen carefully to the preaching you read the Bible or listen to it or talk to people who can explain it to you you want to know more and more and more and you can never, never know know enough some people Sunday's a drag oh but you should look forward to Sunday because it's the day when you meet with Christians, it's the day when you're going to be taught and hear more about Jesus, more about his word, more and more about Jesus. That's what you want if you're a Christian. If you understand this text, that's what you want, to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. So, if you're to avoid being smashed on the rocks, remember the story of the lighthouse at the beginning, then be good scholars, good pupils. Be rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught. What about this last bit of the text? Abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, Oh, there we are. Abounding in thanksgiving. So that word abounding means it's like a river. We're back to rivers again. A river that's overflowing. It's overflowing its banks. What does Paul mean then, abounding in thanksgiving? He means you should be overflowing with praise to God. You've got so much to praise God for. He saved you. He's given you this gift of the Lord Jesus and eternal life and forgiveness. He is saved you, he's changed you he's given you a wonderful new destiny heaven, it's to to come and he promised to be with you in this life give you comfort and strength, answer your prayers you've got a glorious saviour oh should you not praise him should you not be overflowing like a river with praise that is great and glorious saviour oh yes you should why? The Christian should be the most, the happiest person in the world. And yet I've met some Christians who look so miserable. You think, well, if that's being a Christian, good grief. I'd rather not be a Christian. But we should be so full of joy that others think, well, I want to be a Christian too. Christians are even like coffee pots Or teapots. Have you heard that one before? Look at a coffee pot. I love coffee. Coffee pots are long. But look at a teapot. It's round. Some Christians are like coffee pots. Oh, long, miserable, dull faces. But some Christians are like, all Christians ought to be, like teapots. Like round, cheery face. you say... That's all very simplistic, too simple. Oh, well, even in trials, we can be praising God. Well, I could say more about that, but time is going. So, listen to another verse of the Psalms. We know joy now, but there's greater joy to come. Psalm 16. In your presence, God's presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16. So, it's wonderful to be a Christian. And there are times when we just feel so full of joy. Peter talks about joy inexpressible, full of glory. There are times when we know that. But that is nothing compared to the joy that we should experience in heaven when we are forever with God the Lord. Are you looking forward to that? You ought to be. So it's a wonderful two verses. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I think I've got some questions up there. Have you received God's gift? Have you welcomed Christ into your life? Are you walking, growing, building, learning, and abounding with praise? Let's pray before we have our hymn. So God, we thank you then for these wonderful verses of the Apostle Paul urging us to receive Christ and to go on walking with him and walking because he is in us by his Holy Spirit. Lord, that we might be awake as Christians, that we might be alert to false teachers, to dangers, that we might stand firm like trees and buildings in the storms of life. Lord, help us, we pray. Empower us each day with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your joy. May Jesus become more real and more precious to us every day. So our God in heaven, hear us, we pray, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.